mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 19. We're going to be beginning in verse 17 this morning. We've had a little bit of a trip away as we rehearsed the testimony of Christmas and learned about Jesus' birth. And now we're coming back and we're right in the middle of, um, or at the end of, I should say, his trial. If you remember, he was arrested. He was mocked spit on, betrayed. You remember in the garden, they, they said, uh, he said, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they all fell down. Of course, they led him away from uh, the garden and they led him to Annas first, who was the real high priest, although Rome had removed him. And so then to Caiaphas's house, and we have these uh, mock trials. And then they take him to Pilate. And Pilate is convinced he's an innocent man and that they brought him there from envy. They're just jealous of him. And he doesn't know what to do. He's going in and out, in and out, because they won't come into the praetorium because they don't want to defile themselves because it's uh, the Sabbath. Um, and so... He goes in and out, and, and finally, I don't know if you guys remember, but in verse 40 of 18, 1840, remember, they have this thing that they do uh, at the Passover, and they um, release a prisoner just to be at peace with the Jewish nation. And in of all verses, 40 being the number of judgment, um, they ask for Barabbas as opposed to Jesus. Uh, so 40 is their judgment. They bring, Jesus has come to take away the judgment that we have for sin. And they judge that Barabbas, one that they know is a murderer, they know he's an insurrectionist, is their choice as a people. And listen to me, because it's very dangerous when you listen to religious leaders instead of the Spirit of God, when you listen to the world or the nightly news or the politics of the day, you'll get stirred up in your emotions and you're subject to choose all the wrong things based upon feelings instead of based upon truth. And they choose Barabbas. And what's significant about that is that bar is always in the Greek, ben in the Hebrew, but bar in the Greek means son of. And Abbas is father. So they choose the wrong son of the father. God always knew that they were going to do that. This is not a surprise. It's not a plan B. This is what God knew would happen. But they choose, as you and I will choose, 
the wrong thing always if we listen to the flesh, if we listen to the physical, if we listen to the temporal, if we choose it because of how safe we can be, how comfortable we can be, how easy things can be, we will always make the wrong decision. But if we surrender and are led by the Spirit of God, if we understand the plans of God, if we understand what God has called us to and for and what we're supposed to be doing here is being witnesses and giving testimony to the cross of Christ, then we understand that sometimes we have to go through suffering and pain and have fellowship with Christ and His cross. And so therefore we make the correct decision even when it hurts, even when it's not comfortable, even when it's not something that is good. So they choose Barabbas, and they're getting ready to choose the false antichrist. That's what this is a picture of. Listen, when you're watching things going on, when you're looking at the news, and you understand, that, oh, here comes a Savior, that Savior is going to be the antichrist. If you see a Savior come, who's going to help us? Who do we give all this to? Who has got the voice of truth? Who can keep the world back together again and save us from COVID? Save us from so many wars. Save us from debt. Save us from these food lines. It's not going to be Christ. Christ didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Christ didn't come to bring us all together in a convergence so that we'd all agree to just love one another. Listen, Christ came to pay for sins and to wake us up and tell us to repent. Metanoia, change your mind and what you're following, what you're listening to, how you're living, and begin to be led by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. What the world tells us is important is all going to burn. But what God tells us is important is for eternity. It's eternal. Please wake up while there's still time. Open the door in 2024 to hear the Word of God, to trust the Word of God, to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So Pilate becomes even afraid. He's trying to release him, and he can't release him. He scourges him. He has him beaten, and he brings him out dressed in royal apparel, hoping that they would have some feelings for this person here who's innocent. And they said, no, crucify him. Crucify him. We have no king. Here's the conclusion. Listen to me. Here's your conclusion. 1915. We have no king but Caesar. Listen to me. Because you don't have to cry out, We have no king but Caesar. But when you listen to Caesar, Caesar means severed. Many have the opinion that we get the word Caesarean section from severed, from Caesar. We get Caesarean section, unnaturally born. And I'm not, I know there's babies that have been saved by Caesarean section. It's not an evil thing. But when in the spiritual realm, when you're dealing with eternal things and you're unnaturally born and you're believing in the wrong Messiah and you're believing in Barabbas instead of Jesus the Christ of Nazareth, you can be severed from God's salvation. You can be removed from the womb and die instead of be safe in the beloved. So be very careful 
which Caesar you're listening to. That's pointing to the earthly government. That's pointing to Babylon. That's pointing to Nimrod. That's pointing to the Antichrist. That's pointing to the devil. This government is severed from God because they're cursed by God and they've chosen, they want man's accolades and the pomp and the pride of this world instead of humbling themselves in the sight of God. And there's a voice you can listen to that will lead you completely to hell. Or you can listen to the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And then he who has an ear, let him hear. Once you've got that ear and you've said, I want to hear God, then why are we still saying we have no king but Caesar? Why are we still listening to the voice of the world? Why are we still getting our marching orders and our lifestyles and our dress codes and everything that we do from Caesar? The one that severs us from the salvation that's come to set us free. Lord, please let us hear your word today because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then, of course, we get all the way up to verse 17, John 19, 17, our text for today. And he, Christ, bearing his cross, went out to the place, or went out to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now, Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore, the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, And the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was setting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, 
for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and then the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who at the first came to him by night, came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lots of amazing text and lots of amazing uh, commentary on the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to glean from this, to grow from this, to go from this, and understand more about how you've sent your Son to die for our sins and to send us out to go and be witnesses to others. Pour out your Spirit now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now back in 17 again, we're before Pilate. He is delivering him to be crucified. They led him away. And then 17 says, And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Galgotha, which just means the skull. Many believe it's just a rock there that looks like a skull. I have no idea. What I would like to look at is notice he's bearing his own cross. It means to lift up, to endure, to carry, to take up. That he picks up his own cross and carries it. After the beating, after everything he's went through, he is carrying his own cross. He's taking it up with his hands, his power, freely for you and me. Now, I, I would point out that in many cases, and we'll see it in this text, and I'd just like to bring it up, that notice that God does not leave or put into any of the Gospels the context of his beating. He doesn't put in all of those. I mean, I remember going to, and, I, and you guys probably tire of my uh, testimonies of things that I've done, but I remember going to the very first showing in Lafayette, special invite from a big church in Lafayette of the, of the uh, Passion of Christ by Mel Gibson. And, you know, we sat there and sat there and sat there and we've seen this blood and gore. And it's really the Stations of the Cross. It's a Catholic movie. It's not a movie that's made for Christians. It's a Catholic. It's the Stations of the Cross that they worship in each station. And, and we're sitting there and then, the, you know, the whole reason for every bit of it was so that we could have content and discussion and talk. People were free to leave. And after uh, the movie was over, uh, 
they began to talk and a, a Jewish lady, a rabbi stood up and she said, all I seen was a man beaten for two hours, bloody and gory, and I have no idea why. And that's exactly what she said. You know, that's all she's seen. And God leaves this out on purpose. Mel Gibson is not a Christian. And, and there's plenty of people in the evangelical circles that love this movie. They've embraced Mel Gibson. He's getting ready to come out more in the end times of this end times evil things that's coming out where we get all of our gospel from the TV, from the world news, from, from, from people who, who don't even know Jesus, like The Chosen and all these shows that are actually evil. And if you say that about them, Christians get mad at you. But I feel so good when I'm watching them. It's not about your emotions. It's not about your feelings. But I feel closer to Jesus because of what I've seen. Read your Bible. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. Do what the Bible says, not what the world says. Not what entertainment says. Not a shortcut to the gospel like the devil tried to get Jesus to do in Matthew 4. A shortcut it's God's plan. It's God's way. It's God's salvation. It's not easy. It takes denial of self. It takes changing your mind. It's not costume jewelry. It's not something we just put on and we run off. And we go, I'm good. I'm saved. I believe. Really? Has your mind really changed about yourself? Has your mind really changed about your sin? See, God purposely left out everything about the beating and the crucifixion. It's not here. This cross is not here for us to see the blood and the gore. He wants us to see his great love for us. And so then the other side of the coin, the world takes it and goes, just love, love, love. No, then you leave out the justice of God. That was judgment. He died for a reason to take the judgment that all of God's wrath all of God's wrath upon sin on the world is wrapped up in this cross and it's satisfied in Christ and only in Christ. So you must be in Christ, this Christ, not your made-up Christ. It's a Christ that lines up with the script, the Holy Scripture. It lines up with this graphe, what is written. And you'll see as they begin, some say some 28 28 prophecies were fulfilled just as he hung there. And you'll have to go follow them yourself. I'm not going to go into that. I would love for you to be a Berean and go search it out and put the four Gospels together and see this full account of things that are going on from di different witnesses' perspective and different testimonies. Because that's why we're here. Is to be a witness and give testimony and to be soberly living with serious minded about what's going on because people are being led away captives. They're being lied to. They're being deceived. It's not about your works. It's about what you believe. And then if you believe in this Christ, his spirit will show you what works you should be doing. And it should not be wrapped up in the works you were doing before. If you're still wrapped up in what you were doing before you met Jesus, there's something wrong with your gospel. There's something wrong with your gospel because when you raise from the dead, your life changes. It's that simple. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not a, that you'll never do anything wrong again, 
but your mind will be changed and you'll stop the pettiness. You'll stop all the things that you were doing and you'll say, wait a minute, this is not Christ. This is not salvation. This is not the way I should be living. And then you begin to surrender. Notice he's bearing the cross because we're going to see at the end of the chapter, somebody else comes and they come out of the darkness and they come out of their secrecy and they forget about their fears and they carry Christ to the grave. Because that's what we're called to do in Luke 9, 27. If any, uh, 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 excuse me, is it Luke 9, 27 or 23? Um, 9, 23. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's the same word, bear your cross daily. It's not about what you're going through. It's about you having fellowship with his cross, with his crucifixion, being dead to self, dead to what you want to do and changing your mind and carrying the gospel to other people. Even when you're afraid, you carry the gospel out to other people. We're supposed to be given testimony and witness. That's the only reason we're still here. Why else would we be here if it's all finished in Christ? We're here to tell people the testimony. You're going to see that out of John. Look at, look at verse um, 35, 1935. And he who has seen has testified, martyreo, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. That's the reason this Bible is written, so that we might know the truth and the truth set us free because we believe. We're going to see that John lived that out. John didn't just write this gospel some 35 years after people began to distort the truth with their own things, like the book of Thomas, like all the books that they want to bring in today. Again, it's not something new. There's all kinds of other people telling little stories about what they're supposed to follow. And so John writes us another gospel so that we might believe. And what did they do? He wouldn't shut up, so they tried to kill him. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation. They tried to kill him. They couldn't kill him. They cast him to the island of Patmos where they put their criminals at. And what did he do? He wrote another one, more of a revelation. He uncovered more truth than you could ever imagine. And then when he was older, they let him come back to Ephesus. That's where he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John at, the books of love. And he's still testifying that which was from the beginning, that which we handled, that which we touched, that which was there concerning the word of life. And we give testimony to it. Listen, it's impossible to come to Jesus. It's impossible to see the cross of Christ. It's impossible to say, I believe and I know and not be confronted with the fact that you should tell others. Because that's the only reason we're here, to go and make disciples. To baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To teach them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The end of the age is upon us. And we need to be serious in our prayers. Serious and sober-minded. Not drunk with the materialism. Not drunk with the entertainment age. Not drunk with the lies of the media or the politics. This is serious, sobering, behind enemy lines. This is not our home. 
And yet we go to church like it's costume jewelry. Let's go there and, and we'll satisfy our little pious desires for God and he'll be pleased with us and we'll be okay. He was pleased in the beloved in the cross of Christ. He's not pleased with our performances in the flesh. Nothing good dwells in the flesh. He's pleased with Christ. That's why we have to believe Christ. Nothing else can please God except Christ. You and I don't have any capacity to. You can perform all you want. I can perform all I want. But surrendering and allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify and wash and cleanse us and use us as testi testimony, as witnesses, is what God desires. And that witness will be with our time, our talents, our treasures, everything that we do, everywhere we go, if we allow the Holy Spirit to do it. But notice these with hard hearts, they continue. Jesus carries his cross outside the city. Why is it outside the city? Well, sacrifices had to be outside the city. We actually see that. I'm going to probably be way ahead of myself, but let's just look. You can, I mean, go to Hebrews chapter uh, 13. It talks about it. If you wanted the Old Testament to keep your New Testament uh, uh, um, correct, it's in Leviticus 4.12. The sacrifice needs to go out. I'm going to go to Hebrews, though. I want to go to Hebrews 4. Uh, 13 and look at a text here that sometimes people go what what does that mean because it, and i'm going to bring it all together at the same time <laughs> i'd like to teach the whole chapter but you just can't listen to me when you get to the end of this chapter of of 19 and you see finally nicodemus and finally joseph of arimathea they go, you know what? We've been doing this secretly for fear. And, and when you actually look at 13, it actually says, the Lord is my helper, 13, um, 6b. The Lord is, well, 6. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. No more fear about man. What can they do to you? Kill you? You get to be with Jesus. It's the finish line. 7, 13, 7, remember those who rule over you. This is talking about authority because God is a God of authority who have spoken the word of God to you. Yes, they speak the word of God, but their faith must follow. Look, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being tedious. There's nothing wrong with being the same every day. There's nothing wrong with changing your mind and becoming like Christ and growing every day. Nothing wrong with it. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Oh, did you hear what they're doing? For, excuse me, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart, the center of you, be established sanctification by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, not with foods, it's got nothing to do with dietary, physical, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar 
from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Listen to me. Listen to me. People who are still serving the tabernacle, still living according to the law, people who are still playing their little religious games and haven't come to the altar of the cross of Christ, they can't eat where we're eating at. Listen, that altar he's talking about, we have an altar, we have a cross. That's the cross. That's the place we go. That's everything goes back to the cross of Christ, the person of Christ, the place he's sitting in heaven. From which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Because they're still in the flesh. They're still doing temporal. They're still worried about dietary laws. They're still looking at strange doctrines. They're still looking at the law. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Why am I telling you all this? Because Jesus goes outside the camp. He carries his cross outside the camp. He's fulfilling the law. He's going outside the camp to be crucified at Golgotha. It's important to understand that everything that he did was perfectly according to the law. It's important to understand that he was sinless. It's important to understand that he was doing it for us and he knew what he was doing. And he still knows today in your life, if you'll surrender to his plan, how to lead you where you need to be, to go through what you need to go through, to experience what you need to experience. He already knows. burned outside the camp he bore his cross and he went out you're going to see in a minute he went out it's referring to us leaving the world going out this is not our city watch what it says 12 therefore jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp Bearing his reproach. We're going outside the camp, away from the altar, witnessing about his reproach, witnessing about his cross, witnessing about what's going on in the world, and we're not afraid. For here, 14, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come, the new Jerusalem. We're citizens of heaven. Therefore, all of that, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Listen, what's the fruit of your lips? How are you worshiping God? Oh, the fruit of my lips, I just sang some songs. No, it's what you're talking about. It's what's coming out of your heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is important? Testimony, witnessing. People are dying. What I'm wrapped up in comes out of my mouth. Now listen, I'm not saying if you're on the job and you have to talk about whatever you're talking about on the job, you have to instruct, you have to learn, we have to be in communication. There's other things that we talk about. But is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to God for the cross of Christ because we spend time understanding these truths? Because this is not our home. We're pilgrims here. We're mere passerbyers. This is not our home. Our, we are citizens of heaven. And we should be proclaiming that to people to let them know this is not the culture for Christians to live in. We're behind enemy lines. And if we give in to all of it and fight with their weapons, we are just POWs in the enemy's camp. 
Yeah, but that one preacher said, I don't care what he said. This is what the Bible say. Well, he's got this new idea. It's not from God then. If it's new, it's not from God. And if it's, it's some new doctrine. God is the ancient of days. He doesn't have a new plan. He's doing the same thing he's always been doing. What are you offering to God? What kind of sacrifices? The fruit of our lips. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Giving thanks to his name, his character, his nature, his authority, his will. What he's doing. We're thankful for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. Because he shares that with his friends. I don't have a new message for anybody. Listen to me. I'm, you're going to hear the same thing from this pulpit all the time. I'll give you a running commentary of what's going on in the text. But the message is the same. It's surrender. It's be led by the Spirit. It's get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. And trust the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. That may sound like nonsense, but that's God's plan to walk daily with Him. You don't have to comprehend it all. Just surrender to Him if you believe that He's God and that He died for you. Stop fighting about all the little physical crazy things. And then He gives us a great one. This is, this is something you want to teach your kids but God's still trying to teach us as adults. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. What an amazing verse. Do good and to share. Well, how can I do good if I don't have the Spirit of God lead in my life? Well, I can just love, love, love. I can just tell them it's okay. You just do what you do and I'll do what I do. No, to love people, you have to tell them the truth. That's the fruit of your lips. Truth, it doesn't move. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's going nowhere. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Listen, we have to understand that God's a God of order. That God knows what he's doing and God set up an entire institution and the devil is, he's not coming up with something new. He set up his entire institution, his entire government. He set up everything to sever you from God and it's led by Caesar and other authorities to sever you from the salvation that is in Christ. I'm not telling you to go out and fight him. I'm telling you to be a witness to him. I'm telling you to do what saints of old had done when they killed all the prophets for telling them what they told them. When they killed all the disciples for continuing to speak truth in love no matter what. They didn't kill them for agreeing. They didn't kill them for being a part of their system. They killed them because they confessed they have no continuing city here. And all they have is a testimony about what Jesus the Christ did. And he told them that they must surrender to Jesus. That's why. That's why. Witnessing. Making disciples. There's no other reason why we're here, people. So Jesus, outside the city. Where are you living at? In the city? In the world? 
Are you a part of every part of the system that's going on? Well, they're just trying to keep track of everything. No, they're marking you. Just as God sticks in a sword to truth and he separates, they want a convergence. And if you won't become part of their convergence, you're marked. You're marked to be removed. Listen to me. This is very serious stuff. They, they, they really irritate me. They removed another one of my sermons from, from YouTube this week. And is that right, YouTube? I always say that stuff wrong. I got it right finally. And it really irritated me because it wasn't just one of my sermons. It was one on 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And that's, that's, the, that's the whole gist of everything. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And when you start attacking that one, it's not about medical misinformation. It's about leading people away like lambs to slaughter, and they have no Savior. Listen, you need to learn the Word of God and understand where we're at in life. These people don't care. They start wars. They don't care how many people die. They want them to die. All they want is power. And you can't get started with them and then go, I'm done, because they'll just kill you. They don't care if you die. Wake up to what you're called to do and how you're called to live and what you're called to talk about. We're called to come back underneath the authority of God by the cross of Christ, by believing that He's true and He sent a Savior. We're not called to continue doing everything that's right in our own eyes, like the book of Judges, or even worse, like Eve did. She saw that it was good for food. And so it was according to her, not according to God's word. This looks good to me. I think I'll look like that. I think I'll do that. Very important that you understand that your eyes could be your worst enemy. It's supposed to be faith in the word of God, not your eyes. Your eyes can deceive you. God's never going to deceive you. Faith, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders gained a good testimony. By trusting God, even though it didn't look like the right thing to do, it was God's thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. 6, for you first must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. What are you diligently seeking? Are you looking for a heavenly city or to feel good down here? I'm preaching to myself, okay? But we're preaching. So Jesus goes outside of the city bearing his cross. Why? Because he's fulfilling what he came for. He's completely fulfilling what he was designed for. Do you know how, do you know how um, amazing it feels when you know you're doing what you were called for? Do you know how amazing that is that you, when you know you're in the center of God's perfect will and you can rest and you can have peace in that? 
It's amazing because nobody can touch you. Think about the prophets. When you read the Old Testament, and here they go, dun, 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 and they're going to tell the king who is uh, who's severed from God, the king who doesn't know anything about God and is just living according to his own will and his own authority and his own desires. And here goes these prophets marching right up to him and go, God said, they're taking their own life in their hands to do that before the most powerful man on the planet. And they didn't care because they knew they were hearing from God. They weren't going as a man. They were going as a messenger, as a witness, as one giving testimony to what God was doing. And they were going to restore those people to restoration the same way Christ came. They were being Christ-like when they didn't know who Christ was like because they just obeyed God. And God would give them a message and they would go share it. That's what living by faith is. Are you bearing your cross? Are you taking up your cross daily? Listen, it's not that old adage, oh, it's my cross to carry. No, he already carried it. You can rest. Just be a witness. Let him do the rest. It's not your responsibility to bring anybody to salvation. But we are called to be witnesses, to testify of what we've seen. But if you haven't been in the scriptures, you haven't seen if you haven't been boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, you have not seen the Christ. But once you see him, you can't shut up. They like to kill people that can't shut up because they hate it. Because no matter what they do, they can't stop them from talking about Jesus. It's coming to that place. Be prepared. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. 18, John 19, 18, where they crucified him. They killed him. They impelled him on a cross. A sharp stick. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. This is what he came for. And two others with him, one on either side. There's a scripture about that, a psalm. I'm not going to line them out. And Jesus in the center. Actually, in the King James, it says in the midst. But is Jesus the center of your life? It's, it's really interesting because <laughs> there's two guys there with him. One of them changes his mind. I can tell you which one. It's the one on the right. We've talked about this before. Because he divides the sheep and the goat, and he puts the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. I seen it yesterday in yesterday's reading. If you're reading with us, if you want to keep your doctrine right, read the Old Testament. You seen it yesterday with the flesh and the spirit, with Lot and Abraham. And Abraham said, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Guess which way Lot went? He went to the left because Abraham always goes to the right. And if you look at it in the text, he went south and then Lot went to the east. Abraham went to the right because the sheep go to the right. I'm sorry, I've seen it. I, it. I could be totally wrong. But I think the Bible supports itself. It's a commentary to itself. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is insane. But God's perfect. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. But are you spending time with Him? What are you spending time with? That's your master passion. That's your God. What cable TV is it? What book is it? What shortcut is it? What job is it? 
I'm not saying don't work. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. But my job is a mission field. My job is not a job anymore. And I work unto the Lord, and I tell the guys about that. What are you grumbling and complaining about? You're working unto the Lord if you're a Christian. What should the rules matter? What should what they're doing matter? Your only purpose here is to be a witness. And your witness is by doing a good job. Your witness is by living according to Jesus. No matter what they're doing. I better get on. We had a whole bunch of... What did we have? 25 verses to get through? Some knucklehead read them all. What's the center of your life? Jesus is in the center of these two. How, how, How great of a chance do you have when he comes into our midst? He's here now. He came down into the mist. He stood in the garden. He came down. This is a God who loves us. This is not a God that you can't touch, you can't have a relationship with. He came down into our mist so that we would understand and believe. He became altogether like us so we could become like Him. But we can't become like Him our way. It has to be His way. By the Spirit of God that washes and cleanses and sanctifies and leads us onward and upward. So you can lay hold of the reason why God laid hold of you. It certainly wasn't because you were handsome and cool and smart and talented and pretty and sassy. It wasn't none of those reasons. It was because of his love. And because of his love, he does not want to judge any of us. But he will if you refuse to come to the cross of Christ. We actually even say it's the crux of the matter. The crux means the cross. Everything's about the center of the cross. The greatest thing of history right here, right now, him dying. Everybody looked forward. Everybody looked back. The whole world looks to this point. Angels wanted to talk about it and didn't know. And yet God covers all of it up except for his love and his sacrifice and his propitiation and his redemption. And the fact that you can be privileged to be part of it just by surrendering and believing. He covers up all the facts and the details that he doesn't want you to go, Oh, my Lord suffered so bad. And get into your emotions. And make movies about things that don't even matter. And leave out the resurrection. Oh, they're bringing it back now so they can deceive you some more. They're going to do the resurrection now. That they've got you trapped in some staging of a cross. It's not about the cross. It's about his death. Oh, I know I get in big trouble with that one. It's not about the cross. It's about him dying and his blood being poured out for our sins. Life is in the blood. That just happened to be the means. That just happens to be the narrative. It just happened to be where God was entered into our our world. And they were killing people with the cross. They were so evil. That's just a means of death. And we made it costume jewelry like I'm real spiritual because I wear a cross. Drives me nuts every time I see somebody. I'm not mad at the cross. Don't be freaking out on me. People think they're spiritual because they wear a cross. It's a stick. It was the means of death. It could have been an electric chair if he'd have came in our time. It was God's provision for the sin nature. We're looking at him dying for us so we could live for him because of his blood paying for our sins. 
And yet we worship the cross. We worship the instrument. We worship the people that are around it instead of lifting up Christ so that we know that we're doing the right thing. I better get going here, haven't I? What's the center of your life? Oh, this challenges me. This text challenges me to the core. This is what all life is about. The cross. But not because of the stick, because of the blood, the God that died for the sins of the world here. Now, Pilate, which means armed with a sword, armed with a spear. Pilate, armed with a spear because he's severed, wrote a title... a placard, an inscription. Usually see what they would do if they were going to crucify you. They wanted everybody else to have a witness. See, that's what this is about. You're a witness now, but they would write this on the top of it to let everybody know this is what happens to you if you do anything against Rome and our government. We'll kill you. And so your charges would be put up there. That's what the placard is. That's what the title is, his charges of why they killed him. And they want him to hang there for a long time. And they want people to walk by and go, wow, don't ever do anything against an earthly government because if you do, they will kill you. Death culture's coming. And they made sure people seen it, it was gruesome. See, what they're doing is they, they, they nail them to the tree and their hands are up like this because it's a sharp stick. It's a tree. They nail them to the tree like this and then down here with their feet, but they put a little peg under their feet and so they make them suffer. The only way you can breathe with all that tension up on your lungs is you push up on the nail with your feet. You push up and you get a breath and then you go back down. You're going to see in a minute, that's why they were breaking their legs to hasten the death. Now you can't push up no more. You just suffocate. But when they come to Jesus, he's already given. He didn't die. It wasn't taken. Nobody murdered him. He freely gave his life. Watch. He gives it to the Father. Who are you giving your life to? Who are you giving your life to? It's whatever that master passion is. It's whatever is the center of your life today. So the title was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And it's really interesting. I was, I was like, what, what is going on here, Lord? Help me to understand some of this. Um, he uses a different word here for Nazareth. I mean, the normal word for Nazareth means guarded ones. It's the city where there's these soldiers at. I'm looking for the word. I'm not doing good here with my brain. Where's Nazareth at? I lost it. Oh, and it means uh, one separated. This word here means one separated instead of guarded one. So he's been guarded. He's been leading his life, and now he's being separated because he's dying for the sins of the world. He's fulfilling what he came for. It's coming to a finish. He was guarded. While you're in the will of God, you're guarded. You're indestructible. Until God's finished with you. Then he'll separate you. He'll put a sword in and he'll take you to the right if you're living for him. He'll take you to the left if you're not. But it's not religion. It's not about us. It's about surrendering to him. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
The enemy's lying to us. And he sent out many people to preach the gospel that don't use the Bible. They don't use the spirit of God. They have a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. And you're not even going to be able to use that excuse at the throne room because you've been given the Bible. You've been given an opportunity. You can surrender to God. No teacher that's teaching you lies is surrendering to God for you. You can't go, what they told me. No, it's you and God. It's It's personal. It's about you and him, not about you, him, and the pastor. King of the Jews. King of the Jewish nations. You know, he put the truth down. He's king of the Jews, but he's king of king and lord of lords. Pilate put the truth down. A liar that's armed with a sword, armed with a spear, a liar that's trying to release him, put down the truth, and didn't even know it. Then many of the Jews read this title, so they're walking by, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, so as they walked by, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, so every language. Hebrew, of course, was the the language of their religion. The, the, The Old Testament is in Hebrew, uh, Greek, of course, is, 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 you know, the culture, the educated, it's the philosophy, it's the Greek of the day. In fact, the reason Jesus came was in the fullness of time when Alexander the Great had every road leading to Rome, and, and then Rome comes and takes it over. But Koinonia Greek was the language everybody communicated with. So the Greek was there, and then you have the language of Rome who come in and took over and conquered Alexander the Great, and that's the, the law. That's the, that's the law and order, or the legal Latin is the third one so it's written in everything and it's his charges in every language and everybody can understand it so people go i read the bible and i can't understand it well then maybe there's something wrong with your heart not god his word's easy to understand if you allow his spirit to teach you if you draw near to god he'll draw near to you he promises it but just because you read it once and don't understand it don't mean you stop think about it your job how good you are at your job where you work at, how good you are. But think about if you just stopped the first day and just said, I can't take it. I can't learn this. This is ridiculous. Why would they want me to learn this? Well, see, there's some money coming by. So I'm going to learn this. I'm going to stick to this because I get money for this. Listen, you're going to get wages at the end of your life. This is very important that you stick to. The wages of sin is death. And you need to know whether you're still in sin or not. You need to know whether your sin has been paid for or not. There's going to be wages at the end of your life. Why are you telling us that for, Greg? We came here to learn for, about life so we can go out and tell others. Why would you preach to us people that say we're saved? I don't know who's saved. I know you can tell a tree by its fruit. That's all I know. I'm just called to preach the text. So it's written in three different languages. 21, therefore the chief priest and the Jews said to Pilate, notice who's saying it. Notice who is saying it. See, the Romans want to leave those people out there for a long, long time as witnesses. They want to leave them hanging there dead. The world wants you to be dead as witnesses to dead world, as a witness to a dead place to live, as witnesses of how you're living. But the Jews, the religious authority, they want them down so they don't see the shame. They don't see their guilt. They don't see what they have done to Jesus, who was an innocent man. They know he was innocent. And they don't want to walk by there and see it. They don't want it to be dealing with them in their conscience while they go to celebrate their religious celebrations that God 
looks on with disgust because they leave him out of their Passover, their Sabbath. I'm going to pass out up here. So they come and they ask Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. Write what he said. Don't write what... We, we don't want it to be true that he's the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Not changing it. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier a part. Guess how many people was in their crucifixion parties? Four soldiers assigned to each person being crucified. So there's four soldiers in his party that lead him out and deal with him. And we know he didn't carry his cross all the way. If you go to the other Gospels, you know somebody else carried it the rest of the way because he was too beaten but these four soldiers are with him the whole time and they also took his tunic now the tunic was without seam no no threads no there was no needle ever touched it it was never pierced it was one woven garment from top to bottom somebody wove it for him they said among themselves let us not tear it but cast lots for it Whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now you can go read about that in Psalms twenty-two, eighteen. And and what I like to always look at, you know, when you go, why is he telling us to turn that? Where is he telling that? Listen, anytime a scripture is mentioned before the numbers were on the page the Jewish mindset would know. As soon as that scripture was written, they'd say, man, that's, that's Psalms 22, isn't it? And then you want to know the context of that. So I would encourage you, when you see scripture quoted in the New Testament, go read the whole thing. Get the context of what's going on. Because it's literally, when a teacher would teach and he would quote scripture, it's just like me telling you, turn to Hebrews 13. It's just like me telling you, turn to Psalm 22. It's a messianic psalm about Jesus. It, 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 it's what God had already known was going to happen to Jesus. And they don't want to tear up that garment. It's worth too much. They divided his other pieces because they were uh, uh, easier to divide. But this one scene or one thing woven, it's an expensive piece, so they cast lots, shot dice, basically what it is. They're throwing dice. Now, some people say it could have been bones because there's a way to throw bones and read bones. I don't know how to throw bones and read bones. What I do find interesting is there was four soldiers. They're doing that. Now, look what others are doing. 25, there's four women standing here, Right? Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, Mary, his mother's sister. I believe it's Salome, S-A-L-O-M-E, Salome, which I'm in big trouble because I thought I looked up her name. Oh, I did. Nope, probably didn't. Meant to. Salome. His mother's sister, Salome, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Remember, he cast out them demons from Mary, seven demons from her. 
And it, Magdalene just means she's from Magdalia. And so four soldiers are there for him, but then you have these four women. And three of the women's names are Mary, right? Their rebellion. That's what Mary means, their rebellion. It, it, and he came to add our rebellion to Salome. Wait a minute, what's that mean? I did know what it meant. Peace. Peaceful. Salome. Solomon's from Solomon. Think about this for a minute. We're at the cross of Christ, and our rebellion is there. And if you believe in the cross, you can have peace. The one thing he doesn't mention, because you've got to be diligent in searching it out. He doesn't tell Mary's sister's name. You don't have to remain in your rebellion. You can have peace with God through the cross of Christ. Clopas means my exchanges. All you have to do is exchange it. Exchange your rebellion for God's peace at the cross. Isn't that amazing? I think it's amazing. I think the names tell us everything about the, the cross that we need to know about Christ that we need to know. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, so he looks, he sees his mother, he's hanging there dying and he's concerned about people, he sees them. And the disciple whom he loves standing by, which is John, God's gracious gift, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Can you imagine what she's going through here? Mary's watching her son die. She, she knows he's been a little bit weird. They thought he was a little bit weird. She's pondering all this stuff. Remember, they thought they, they tried to come and get him and and he said, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are outside. And he said, who is my mother and my brother except those who do the will of God? They thought, man, Jesus has lost it. He thinks he's the Messiah. James didn't believe him. Joseph didn't believe him. They didn't believe him until after he died and rose again. They needed to see the resurrection. So he says, lo, or see, or observe and consider, here is your mother now he's given as the firstborn son his responsibility we don't know where joseph's at but joseph evidently is not around or he would be there taking care of mary so he gives mary their rebellion to the grace of god god's gracious gift it's up to you again it's it's telling the entire gospel right there your rebellion can be given to the gracious gift of God. He took our judgment for us. But John takes her to his home. But it was his responsibility as the firstborn to deal with their rebellion. What? His responsibility. That's what he came for, was to deal with my rebellion, your rebellion, the sins of the world, the lawlessness that we were born into. And it's done by the grace of God. And he just says, lo, here, woman, his mom, John. And that's what he's saying to you and I in our rebellion. Are you going to receive God's gracious gift? 
John, the grace of God. And, and there's an exchange that goes on. And then you go to his home. You go to the grace of God's home. Think about her, though. What was she going through? What was she going through thinking about this? Now, listen, because it was, it, it's, it's back where we picked up when we were doing the testimony of Christmas, Luke chapter 2. You can go there with me if you want. We left off, and we, never, we stopped at 220. And then if you go into 221, you see that at eight days, the new beginning at eight, they take him into the temple. And in the temple, what happens? Simeon takes him up in his hand. Simeon means heard. Who's the other character there? Anna, which means grace. They heard the grace of God. They knew the grace of God was there. The God's gracious gift was there. But listen, listen. Simeon said this in verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, their rebellion, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, those governed by God, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul. She's going to stand here and watch this happen. And it's, it's a mother's love. It's piercing through her own soul. But listen, you and me, it has to pierce through our soul, pierce through our rebellion. It has to pierce through and divide us, the soul and the spirit. And it's a, it's a, it's a thought and discerner of the intents of the heart. It's living and powerful. It's the word of God dying on a cross. And he pierces through our soul and he severs us from the world so we can come out and live for him. But Mary's standing here and she's watching this on the cross. And it says there that the thoughts of many, what about your thoughts? that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. See, the Word of God does that. Hebrews 4.12, it's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, and it's a discerner, it's a judge, a divider, and a judge of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And this is what's going on right here at the cross. Is not some, this is not some Hollywood movie. This is our souls, our mind, will, and emotions, and we must change our mind. We must change our mind and stop living the way that we've always lived because the Word of God reveals our thoughts. It reveals everything about us. And I was telling you that Anna was here, verse 36, 236. Anna, the grace of God, she's a prophetess. She's the daughter of who? She's the daughter of Phanel. Phanel means the face of God. Phanel means the face of God. It's God's favor. Of the tribe of Asher, which, which is the eighth son of Jacob. A new beginning from the deceiver, supplanter. Asher is the eighth son of Jacob. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. Listen, the grace of God, who is the daughter of the face of God, and the, the sister, or excuse me, the son of Jacob, the Asher, 
the eighth from. I mean, it's amazing when you start looking at these things. How God put them all in the gospel. I might be losing you. I don't know. My mind thinks like this. The Spirit leads me to look at this and understand it differently than you might. But what are you going to do about the Scriptures? When are you going to become a Berean? When will you sit down with God and read the Word of God in a, in a way where you can have a conversation with God and change your mind about what you're doing in life? Or have you already? If you have already, I would applaud you. I would encourage you. Let's go out together and witness to the world the cross of Christ, the salvation of God. Because we've become part of his home and this is not our home anymore. Verse 28, after this transition statement is really what that is. After this, Jesus, knowing, I do, uh, I do, uh, knowing, it means that he sees that all things were accomplished. They were fulfilled. They were finished. It's the word teleo, that the scripture might be fulfilled, pleruo, which completely furnished all the scriptures, everything that he had to do on the cross said, I thirst. Do you thirst today? What are you thirsting for? Is, are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? What are you thirsting for today? What, do you, what is your soul missing today? What is it that you say, man, if I just get to that next vacation, if I just get to that next car, that next phone, if I just get to that next, what are you thirsting for today? What makes you thirsty? Now a vessel, it's interesting because in the Greek, this is not the word for body, but the Greeks fully believed that the vessel was a body for the soul. Um, full of sour wine was sitting there. Uh, it's vinegar. It's sour wine and vinegar. It's what the Roman soldiers drank. Uh, cheap wine, vinegar. And they filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And now the hyssop branch, listen to me, because this is all important. If you go back to Exodus 12, to the Passover festival, this is what they were supposed to use. This is what the priest used, and all of the sprinkling and the, and the blood and all the thing was the hyssop branch. And that hyssop branch, it was what they used to put the blood on the lintel and on the post of the door when they sacrificed the first lamb that night in Egypt to keep the Passover, the death angel, from killing them and their firstborn and passing over. And so this speaks of that same thing because that's what Jesus is doing. He's fulfilling the Passover lamb that they're sitting there going, hey, 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 let's get him down. Let's get this stuff taken care of. Everybody put it up, clean it up. Let's get rid of it. Let's make it look good around here because we're getting ready to celebrate Passover. And see, that's what happens with our lives. Let's make it all look good. We're getting ready to celebrate that we are Christians and we believe in Jesus. And sometimes we use the same tools to do the things, but our hearts are full of vinegar. Sour wine and vinegar. They're not full of Jesus. They're not full of the word of God. We're not talking about what's good. We're looking for our own selves, our own desires through our own eyes and not the spirit.
Are you putting sour wine and vinegar on the doorpost or the blood of Jesus? So when Jesus had received the sour wine, and some say it's used for medicine too at the same time to help with pain, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Notice he gave it up. Nobody, I mean, the biggest argument there is, is who killed Jesus? Was it, was it the Jews? Was it the Romans? Nobody killed Jesus. For this purpose, he came to die. He gave his life a sacrifice. Willingly, he gave it to the Father. See, when he was born, the Father gave us a son. Born to us as a Savior. But when he fulfilled his life, he gave it back to the Father. He's given it to the Father. The Father and doing the Father's will is on his mind. He's given it as a sacrifice. He's given his blood to the Father to satisfy the sins of the world. But believe me, fulfilling his Father's will is what's on his mind. I know at the same time, he is paying for your redemption. But doing the Father's will, you're going to see if you looked into another text, he gave up the ghost, but then he, 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 he said, first he said, Elo, Elo, Lama, the Sabbathani. I can't even say it right. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You think he's not going through anything? He feels like the Father and the Holy Spirit turned from him because he has to suffer separation. But he's given his life to the Father freely to pay for your and my sin. It was the Father that was on his mind. But it was our redemption that was being accomplished through the plan of the Father. God's plan of redemption. And I know some people say, well, you're just cutting at a hair. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Are you doing the will of the Father? The Father wants you to believe in Jesus and be led by His Spirit. The Father doesn't want you to be religious. The Father doesn't want you to be doing things that are crazy. The Father doesn't want you to be shamed and sitting around in guilt over your sin. He's already given you freedom. He's already set you free. He's already received it in Christ. It would be double jeopardy to deal with your sin again. But if you want to walk in harmony with Him and allow the Spirit who's now in you to lead you and continue to follow and be seated where Christ is seated in heavenly places... You have to confess your sin and agree with God that that is wrong. And then he continues to forgive you of all unrighteousness and wash you and cleanse you and make you more like Christ and prepares you with his garments as a, for the wedding supper of the Lamb. But, but the righteous indignation, the judgment against sin, the payment has been fully paid for. That's just the scriptures. Although other people twist it, it's been paid for fully so that you can run the race without worrying about death or punishment or anything with sin. But you grieve the Spirit, you quench the Spirit, you insult the Spirit, and the Spirit's the only one that can lead you out of here. The Spirit's the only one that can keep you in peace. The Spirit's the only one that can wash and cleanse you and give you understanding of the Scriptures. But in confusion... In confusion, many just get out of the race and go sit down and said, I'll just pretend, I'll just play, I'll just leave, it's not for me. But they don't understand the gospel.
it is finished. Again, that's the word teleo, or a derivative of teleo. It means to end. It means to complete. It means to dis- discharge a debt. In that day, there would be a stamp paid in full on an invoice. And that's what the word would be. Teleo. Paid in full. It's completely finished. The payment for sin. Everything that he came to accomplish, everything that the Old Testament pointed forward to, that there would be a Messiah that would come. He was anointed to die, to take away the sins of the world. He's finished it completely. Now he can be restored to that place where he was before. But he has to go through the grave and be there for three days. And then he'll raise again. Then he spends 40 days, number of judgment, once again, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, to his disciples, before he ascends into heaven. Acts chapter 1. It is finished. And we should stop fighting God's will for our life and surrender to him. He gave his life to the Father for us so we do not have to die for our sins. Now we can have life in that more abundantly. Nothing else is needed. And if you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you believe that? If you do, then it's finished in your life. And now as the Spirit leads you, let Him wash you and cleanse you and prepare you as a bride made ready for the wedding supper. Don't go around and when He comes at midnight, you have no oil in your lamp because you haven't been listening to the Holy Spirit. And as you go out to try to find oil and figure out what's going on, then the others go in and the door is closed and you come and say, open to us. And He says, no, the wedding's finished. All the guests are already here. Do you have oil in your lamp? Is your light burning bright? Are you out giving witness and giving testimony and sharing from the abundance of your heart, allowing the Spirit of God to use you to tell others? That's what we're being equipped for right here, right now, is to tell others. It wouldn't be wrong when people ask you something at work tomorrow to say, I don't know, but Jesus died for your sins. It wouldn't be wrong. I'm just saying. We're here to be a witness. I'm sorry. But if you don't practice being a witness, you'll never be a witness. You know that when you go to jury trial, they practice being witnesses? It just happens. The prosecution side, the, the, the legal team side, they both practice it. They do interrogatories. They, they actually sit down and they go, now when he comes at you, he's going to be saying, and he's going to try to get you to slip up and mess up, and he's going to get in your face, and he's going to say you're lying. And you've got to keep your cool, so they've got to practice it. Same way we practice righteousness. If you don't begin to speak up about Jesus, you'll never speak up about Jesus. If you don't begin to practice reading the Word of God, you'll never read the Word of God. If you don't make it part of what you do, you'll never do it. I'm not saying fake it. I'm saying get in the Word, prayer, and fellowship and ask God for a desire to do it. If you don't practice it, 
you'll never learn the trade you're in. If you don't practice listening to authority on the job, you'll never listen to authority. If you don't practice what God has designed in marriage, you'll never have a marriage that works. You have to practice what God has designed. Not what you want it to be, not what you think it should be, not what you feel it should be, not what the world tells you it should be. Think about if we do what the world says. Pretty soon they'll be marrying animals. The world doesn't stop with their evil. It gets worse and worse. Why would the church be following the world? Sad. Got to change our minds. Repentance. First word of the gospel. Metanoia. Change your mind. It'll change your direction. It'll change your life. It'll change the way you do everything. Not some things. Verse 31. Therefore... Because it was the preparation day, preparation day, whether it was a feast, whether the Passover feast, whether it was the Sabbath, they would have a day that they begin to prepare because at six o'clock at night, they weren't allowed to do anything anymore. So they had to prepare for all things and have it ready because after six o'clock, it was going to be that day and you couldn't do any work when it became the Sabbath day. It was a high, it was a high Sabbath because they're getting ready to celebrate Passover also. That the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. They didn't want him to be there, I believe, because they didn't want to see it when they came to celebrate. The Jews, not the Romans, the Jewish leaders is who it's referring to, asked Pilate, uh, armed with a spear, that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Now listen, that's just what they did so they couldn't breathe anymore. And they would hasten the death, they would die quicker. Are your legs broken? Speaks of your walk. Are your legs broken? It speaks of where you're going. Are your legs broken so you can't breathe the air from heaven anymore? Think about it for a minute because you need to be breathing the Spirit. You need to be breathing. There might come a time where your legs will be broken and you won't be able to push up, look up, do anything. You won't be able to lift up. You won't be able to do anything but shut up if you have a mark on you from the world. Now is the time to learn to speak up to look up, to lift up your eyes so you can breathe the oxygen, the fresh air from heaven. See, there's no death up there. You can have an oxygen line through the Spirit of God that brings fresh air into your lungs every day, that you get up to go out to be a witness. You get up to go live for Christ and represent Him. And you say, what now, Lord? What next, Lord? Because you're breathing air from heaven. So many people just step in on their oxygen line. And they're breathing this smoke and this death and this evil down here. And you're standing on your own oxygen line. Because God set you free already. What Christ has set free is free indeed. You're free. And you still have free will. To choose. To breathe the air from heaven. Or continue to breathe this earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom and air down here that only leads back to death. It's going to lead back to your legs being broken, your walk hindered. So they wanted to remove the entire witness of that innocent man hanging there. They knew he was innocent. Remember, it's imperative that one die so that we can keep our country and our place. We had to keep our power. 
We don't want Rome coming down on us. We got one to die. They knew he was innocent. But they didn't know how innocent. They wouldn't confess him. They still don't today. They're getting ready to choose an antichrist to be their Messiah. Listen, some of the, some of the most famous rabbis say he's here already. They're getting ready to reveal him. If you listen to the hubbub out there, Interesting times we live in. Violence upon the face of the earth. Yeah, Hamas. That's what Hamas means. Wicked, unrighteousness, violence of the Philistines. It's the enemies of Christ. It's the enemies of the cross. It's the enemies of God. It's still the same spirit that's always been here that God allows. He allows these things to happen to separate. Because God came to separate, not to bring peace. It's the Antichrist that's trying to bring peace. I've already talked about this, the convergence. He wants us all to get along. How can we all get along if one has the mind of Christ breathing the air from heaven and this is not my city, this is not my home? How can we all get along unless we all make this our home and we're pit dwellers? How can we get along when their earthly, central demonic wisdom does not line up with the wisdom of God? Can't get along. Can't be of the same mind and change your mind at the same time. We were already dead. And we changed our mind and we come to life. And the reason we speak up is so they can come to life. We're not trying to be haughty, proud, fancy, know-it-alls with knowledge that puffs up. We are trying to get people to be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. As if Christ were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. And you can't do it with your own fancy plans, your own religion, with your own buildings and your programs. We can only do it through the word of God as we witness to the salvation of God. I mean, the literal gospel is, is uh, uh, that Christ died, that was crucified and died and rose again on the third day. That's all there is to it. Ask Paul about it. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He rose again on the third day. It's the whole gospel. Look how complicated it is in a church today. Let's build a program. Let's make it real complicated. Let's make him twice the son of hell. Instead of setting him free to go out and tell somebody. Then the soldiers, verse 32, came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. So the two thieves on both sides, which the Psalms testify of. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Of course, we're going to see the commentary, so I'll just keep reading. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out right here piercing the husbandman in the side if you look it up it actually means rib it's the same it, the side means rib it's the same thing as adam and and god putting the sleep upon adam and he pierced his side and out of his rib he brought woman and there was there was a marriage that happened right there and, and this is the same thing here jesus's death saves us the church's birth right here out of his side when you see the blood and water because the heart is no longer beating, so it can't remove that, that water sack that's right there that pumps the... That's what Rita had a surgery about. She got water. It makes her sluggish. It 
makes her tired. It makes her weak. It's congestive heart failure. But when the heart completely quits, the water builds up there. The spear proves that he's dead because blood and water are mingled. And that's a water burnt and a blood burnt together. And the church is burnt right there. What's the evidence that God received it? The resurrection from the dead. That's the fruit. He's the first fruit of the resurrection. That proves he was the Messiah. That proves he was the Mashiach. And it has to be preached in everything because you need evidence. And we can't be Christians unless there's evidence, unless there's fruit that is growing in our lives, fruit of righteousness that does look like love because God is love. And it should have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We should be growing in them, bearing fruits of righteousness. Because who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Uh, John the Baptist would say to the brood of vipers that came out to see him yelling, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. So the church was birthed right here, just like the bride Eve now the church is supposed to begin to obey the husbandman. And then we get this verse right here, 35, which is powerful because this is why the whole book of John is written. And he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. Why did he write it? Why is he telling it? Why did he see it? What's his whole, his whole thing here is that so you might believe, that I might believe, pistio, that we might entrust our spiritual well-being into Christ Jesus. Flip over to 20, 2030, chapter 20. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe and trust your spiritual well-being into Christ, that Christ is the, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name, according to his character, nature, will, and authority. We will get to that. This is what John is saying. This is the only reason I'm writing the book, because of such nonsense that's going on. 35 years later, he writes another gospel. And there happens to be four of them, just like there was four soldiers, just like there was four women at the cross. It all means something. What's your testimony? Thirty-six. For these things were done. Ooh, that's a big word. I got that circled, don't I? These things were done. This is genoma. Genoma. It means to cause to happen, to generate. This genoma is the word that everything existed from. He caused it to happen. He spoke and caused it to happen. Genoma means, and he's saying that these. This is the cause to be, to generate, to become. These things were generated that the scripture should be fulfilled the holy writ the old testament that pointed to it so that there would be so many signs and so many prophecies and so many things that everybody would know and believe that jesus was the christ the scripture would be fulfilled satisfied not one of his bones shall be broken you can read it go read all about it it's three places three testimonies of it in the old testament Exodus 12, 46, Numbers 9, 12, Psalms 34, 20. You can read about it in three different places. Not a bone will be broken. Why? Because he gave up. 
he gave up freely. And again, 37, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. You just read this in Zechariah 12.10. They're looking on him right now. They don't understand it. But later they're going to say, where did you get those scars? And he says, in the, in the house of my friends. And they're going to mourn over it when they finally believe in the Messiah, the true Messiah, instead of the Antichrist. You can go read it. Read all of Zechariah 12. It'd be good for you. Be good for all of us. Actually, I wasn't trying to be condescending. They shall look on him whom they pierced. He was pierced for us. What happened then? Verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away the body of Jesus. Notice this. He was afraid of the Jews, but he wasn't afraid of Pilate. He didn't ask the Jews for permission. He went and asked Pilate for permission. And that's a witness to the world. Notice he was afraid of the Jews. He, he's like, why? Because they announced if anybody believes in him as the Messiah, if anybody believes in his name, you're going to lose all of your historicity. You're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. You're not going to be able to come to the synagogue. And everything about their life surrounded the synagogue. Everything. They went there three times a day. Everything that they did was wrapped up in God, in that religion. And then people had taken it over and dominated them with lies. Still going on today. So he comes, and notice he's secret. He's in the open now, isn't he? But secretly, stealthily, crypto is what the word is, to conceal by covering, to hide self. Why? Because of fear, phobos. He was, he was afraid of the ruling authorities. What are you afraid of? What keeps you from being a Christian in the open? Are you still doing it secretly? I always tell this. I was uh, in prison for 12 years, and I worked in, in prison industries. And when I got saved, I called back there to talk to some of the people that I uh, was a heathen in front of to tell them I got saved. And two or three of them said, well, we're Christians. We've always been Christians. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me then? Because none of them ever shared Jesus with me, and I didn't tell them that. I'm just saying. Secretly, they were Christians, but they were living like heathens inside the jail and in the prison and being guards when they could have reached so many people. But they were secret believers. There's a lot of secret believers because they're afraid of what somebody might think. They're afraid of what somebody might say. They're afraid that they might have to separate and not be a part of the darkness. And they can come into light and have fellowship with light. Joseph of Arimathea. I better get this finished. You guys want to go home, don't you? Joseph, meaning he will add, and Arimathea heights. It actually is the Hebrew word Ramah, where Samuel was born. Samuel was born in Ramah. It means the spoken word of God. So he gets permission. And also somebody else is with him. Nicodemus. Yes! Here comes Nicky, Nicodemus. 
It means conqueror. It means he's victorious among his people. He's coming out of the dark. He's coming out of the secret. He sees somebody else. He sees Joseph, and he's saying he will add, and he's going he's to be victorious among his people. Notice it gives even the commentary, who first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh, alloys, about 100 pounds. Now, the, the common thing, and he's going to tell you here, then they took the body of Jesus, bound him in strips, so they're going to wrap him again. He was wrapped at, at his birth, and now he's wrapped again, uh, uh, being put in a tomb, uh, uh, wrapped in these linen and spices, and the custom of the Jews was to bury. So what they would do is they take about half your body weight of spices and wrap them and mix them and they keep you from stinking because they didn't embalm. They didn't do anything but wrap you up in a bunch of spices so you wouldn't stink and they stick you in the tomb. And then they put a rock in front of it and the smell couldn't get out anyway. But while they were dealing with the week-long thing, but they put him straight in, no week long. Is that what we're doing now? Are we celebrating his death, burial, and resurrection until he comes? Is that why we take communion? Are we having his funeral right now but we know he's alive? Anyway, just thoughts. So he might have weighed 200 pounds because they had 100 pounds of supplies. They put him in the tomb. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. All of life starts in the garden. He was betrayed in a garden. He's going to be buried in a new tomb that's a garden, in a garden. These are caves, rocks. They carve them in there. Born in a virgin womb and then born in a vir uh, buried in a virgin tomb, many have said, in which no one had yet been laid. So they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. So we see this burial. But you know what? Here's what Joseph of Arimathea did. Uh, in the, in, it says that he might take away. He came out of his secrecy, asked Pilate that he might take away, that he might raise up, lift up, bear up, listen, carry Christ, the body of Christ, to the grave. What are you carrying to the grave? What will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Jesus said, if anyone cares to come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross, instrument of death, and follow me daily. We need to come out of our secrecies and stop fearing those who cannot cast the soul into hell and carry our cross. That's what it means. Carry this witness, carry this testimony of Christ crucified to others. And we can be Nicodemus's. We can all be victorious among his people because he's given us the victory. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Next week, we're going to see he raises from the grave. He doesn't stay in the grave. His body will not see corruption, but he gets up. Are you a secret follower? Or are you, because of Christ's victory, living victorious among his people? Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the testimony of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us this privilege to carry a witness. 
by the power of your Holy Spirit to others. Thank you for equipping us. Give us a desire, Lord, to do your will, not to do our own will, to live your life, not to live our own life. Help us to be your hands and feet, Lord. Help us to be a voice in the darkness. Make straight the way of the Lord. A voice in the wilderness. Lord, help us to cry out to others to repent and change their minds. Thank you for such a glorious privilege of grace. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall